Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ghost of God. We're the Reed Twins. This is Austin. I'm my brother, Justin. Hey, thanks, guys, for checking out this latest episode that we've got. Remember, anytime you want to follow us, just go to our Twitter page. That Twitter page is what, Austin? It's Ghost2Pod, P-O-D. We'll have new episodes up every week on different categories. Looking forward to getting more listeners. Hey, it's Ghost of God. I'm your host, Justin. And with me, as always, is my musical and ever-talented brother, Austin. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? Just another crazy day at work. How about you? Uh, you know, actually, it's been kind of normal getting back to it this week. Today was like 70, so huge change from last week. Yeah, it was 65 here. It was pretty perfect. You know, if honestly, it feels like it's been a minute since we've done this. It does feel like it. I thought today's pod would be a little bit different than some stuff that we've done in the past. We've done quite a few top five lists, and tonight I thought we'd do something a little bit different. What do you think of the idea? I like it. It's a nice uh, curveball. Yeah. Or changeup, whichever pitch you want to go with. <laughs> something off speed for sure. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what it is? Well, I thought for our 12th podcast episode. Man, is that right? 12? This is number 12. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, I thought for the 12th one, we could do something a little bit different. I was just looking up some fan stuff for Supernatural the other day, and I hit the random button on a on a particular website, and this is the topic that popped up, and I thought maybe it, you and I could explore it a little more. That topic is the raising of Adam Milligan. What comes to mind to you whenever I say that? You know, I'm not sure I have a reaction to it whenever I hear it. I've got kind of a weird relationship with the character of Adam. Oh, yeah, what's that? <laughs> Honestly, uh, no fault of Jake Abel. Um, I was I was going to say, this, Austin, this should be good. You always have some... <laughs> <laughs> you always have some pretty deep, deep cuts here. He's just one of those people for me that I saw him do one role and I never let it go. And, and instead of being able to, to put it together, like, Oh, he just did a really good job in that one role. I saw him in, I am number four. I just never let that go. So anything I've ever seen him in since, I always assume he's going to be that same douche, <laughs> you know? And that's not fair to him, but that's just how my stupid mind worked. He was like on a similar path of uh, Chad Michael Murray, where like, you know, he's in Gilmore Girls and then Dawson's Creek and just every character he played, he was like an asshole. He was a cool guy that was a prick to the, the lead of whatever show he was making a guest appearance on. So anyway, I just couldn't let that go with him. I got you. I have the book, I Am Number Four, and I like the book a lot, but I've never actually seen the movie completely. So yeah, I, he, I didn't have that connection with Adam. He's just that typical jock who gives the new guy a hard time. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. The old flame to the – that you, you've heard the story a million times. Yeah, but, uh, the old flame to number six. Or, yeah. <laughs> wow. To the, the chick that number four falls for at the new school and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, enough time has passed that I realized that that's just me being stupid. Um, 
he didn't do anything wrong except play that role right you know for me to have that kind of reaction to him yeah and it's funny it is funny how stuff like that sticks with you though but i had never seen him in anything supernatural is the first thing and he's in like the percy jackson movies which i I never saw those um like i said i am number four which kind of sucks we didn't get to see you know them come out with any more of those movies um, because i'm sure his character would have grown and done some other cool things was he a student or was he actually one of the gifted people no he was a student but he you know just evolved as a character and so towards the end he was an ally for number four gotcha so i assume that he probably i don't know i've not read the books but i'm yeah the the following books don't really connect to their high school days Oh, it doesn't? Okay, well then maybe we never would have seen it again. But I agree. I wish they would have done more of the movies, for sure. Yeah. And then he was in, like, The Host, which was a Stephanie Myers. Uh, yeah, right. Book. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I think maybe I've seen it once. I never I'm, would have guessed he was in it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've I've uh, read the book. Oh, you have? Yeah. I, I know the cover of the movie, but that's about yeah. all I know of it. Yeah, right. exactly. So anyway, those are just a few of the things he's been in. Well, what about for you? I mean, when you hear Adam Milligan, what comes to mind for you? The first thing that comes to mind for me is a strange brother. I watched Supernatural a, a tad out of order in the beginning, thanks to you. You know, like we talked about in the pilot of our podcast, you showed me some memorable scenes from the first five seasons of Supernatural to pique my interest. And obviously, Swan Song, some of the clips from that made the list of the things that you showed me. And so I saw Adam as Michael in the beginning. And so then when I actually watched the the series from beginning to what was currently on TV at that time, you know, I had a different idea of what Adam was clearly. So right, just kind of knew where he was going. Yeah. So that was odd. So after watching a couple of the episodes with Adam, I, you know, I got to actually figure out who he was instead of just seeing him as Michael. Right. It's kind of weird thinking about the character of Adam. Do we ever really know what he's all about? Because I was thinking about that earlier when I was, when I was like, I'll do a little bit of extra research for this this episode and it's like we get jumped the shark in season four but then you find out at the end that all of it was a lie you know it was a ghoul it wasn't actually adam so how much of what we got from adam in that episode was really adam you know is it one of those where like the demon possesses someone and he knows all their thoughts and feelings and stuff and like conveys that person's thoughts and feelings honestly or you know or was it all a game yeah, that's a great point. And, I mean, if you remember the beginning of Point of No Return, Adam has no recollection of meeting Sam or Dean. So that's never answered how much of that first version of Adam that we see how authentic that was to him. Yeah, so, I think we, we only get like one or two minutes of like real Adam. And it happens in Point of No Return, like when he's in the green room or whatever with Dean. I think that's really the only time that we get to see like real Adam in the point of no return in season five. 
I guess we can just go ahead and get into the episode. What do you think? Yeah, go ahead. If you remember, one of the better angel scenes that we get to see, especially in the first five seasons anyways, the episode opens up with Zachariah sitting at a bar next to some guy and the guy that he happens to sit next to, they're both drinking and he's like, rough day today, huh? You get pink slipped? And he said, how'd you know? And said, it takes one to know one. And, you know, they, they talk for a little bit and then Michael comes, his spirit comes down and talks to Zachariah and destroys the bar, kills everybody there. And we don't exactly know what was uh, conveyed to Zachariah, but we knew something was up. He was back in the game. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. We know he's back in the game. I, it's so funny uh, getting to do this podcast and like hearing that what you think of things because uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly that opening sequence is one of the cooler angel scenes. And I don't think a lot of other people would have that opinion. So it's, it's cool to hear you feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like he's telling Stuart, he was, uh, he was employee of the month every month. I mean, how long have I worked for these people? Five, six millennia? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how it starts. And so we don't exactly know who was talking to him or what it was about. And so then as this, uh, the episode opens up, I had kind of forgot how significant in the point of no return, the place that Dean was at personally. Do you remember that being such a big storyline in that episode? No, huh? Honestly, I had kind of forgot about how awesome this episode was until did some of the research, you know, and read some of the plot and stuff. And it's like, damn, I couldn't really figure out how come this episode doesn't jump out at me as one of the good ones from season five. Yeah, see, and it always did for me the, and we'll get to it, but the green room scene mm-hmm. at the end always stood out to me. I think that may have been one of the first scenes that you showed to me well the i guess what was tripping me up with that green room is that there was an episode on the other day and dean's in the green room you know and that's whenever you yeah, that's get to right. see the bowl of all of the burgers that he loves and the beer that he loves and so i i guess i just got those episodes yeah. mixed up i forgot that there were different episodes yeah that's right because and the point of no return Adam picks up one of the burgers when he's in the green room and takes a bite. And Zachariah says, ah, you have similar taste to your brother. Yeah, that's right. Putting it in order that they had already done that before. But in the point of no return, I mean, the episode, as far as the Winchester brothers goes, it starts off with Dean left. You know, he went and told Lisa that he was going off to do something stupid. You know, he ditched Sam and Bobby and Cass and he left fully intending to say yes to Michael. Yeah. Again, I forgot how significant that was where we were in the plot line of season five. Dean's in a hotel, of course, drinking, and he's going to find Michael and say yes. And then Sam shows up in his hotel room and uh, Dean says as much that he's, what, what do we got? What play do we have? We've got nothing. And, Dean says, how'd you find me? And Sam Sam says, well, I mean, you're going to kill yourself, right? 
I knew what the all the stops on your farewell tour were going to be. How is oh. Lisa? How is Lisa? Anyways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, Dean, he's all for it, man. He's going to say yes to Michael, and there's nothing that he can do to change his mind. And uh, Sam was like, "Well, you know, I have to stop you, right?" And Dean said, "Good luck. You're not hopped up on demon blood anymore." So Sam's like, "You're right." That's why I brought back up. And so Cass shows up and zaps him, zaps them all back to Bobby's house. So that's, yeah. you know, that's the opening scene with the brothers in that episode. Damn, that's so good. Yeah. So there were a number of things that stood out to me in this episode. All the stuff with Zachariah, I'm just like you. And like we've talked about before, we both really appreciated his character. Yeah, I thought he was a, a great antagonist for sure he was a high-ranking angel he was actually the direct superior of Cass, which i kind of forgot and then he's obviously the direct subordinate to the archangels right and after lucifer fell and gabriel left he served michael and Raphael. he had done everything that he could do to try and get Dean to say yes. That was Zachariah's job in this plot line was he had to secure the yes. You know, like he was telling Stuart in the bar at the beginning of the episode, deal of the millennia, and he couldn't even get one single yes that he needed to get. Yeah, weirdly, I was kind of, I felt like I was pulling for Zachariah. I still remember the first time I ever saw the episode, and it's like, you know, his shot at redemption, like he's got yeah. this, you know, <laughs> even though I never wanted Dean to say yes, like, I don't know, part of me was kind of pulling for old Zachariah. Right. So they come up with a unique way of doing that. They, they realize if they use Adam as bait, they can get the Winchester brothers in the same room. And then Zachariah can use both brothers against Dean. Right knew that that would be the way to get him to say yes. So that was one of the big one of the big things that were going on in this episode. Yeah, a bit of a twist too. For sure. We were under the impression that Zachariah and them they'd made their peace, you know, let Dean do whatever the hell Dean wanted to do. Yeah, for they sure. didn't need him anymore. That did not realize that that was like a game. So like I was saying, do you remember how fractured everyone's relationship was there for a minute in season five. I mean, Dean really had lost hope from going to talk to Joshua, wanting to find God. And like Joshua said earlier in the season, he knew that Dean was losing hope in his brother. And at the beginning of this episode, they are at that breaking point. I had completely forgot. And it's funny because listening to you say that, I guess all the characters do that at some point in season five, you know, because Sam does it really early on. He leaves pretty quick. Remember, and he goes and works at that that bar for a minute. Yeah, um, I always re- I always remember when Cass does. Yeah, I was gonna say we we remember when Cass does it. Yeah, he gets then, he gets pissed at God and throws Dean's necklace in the trash. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Dean does it. So they all kind of have their breaking point. And obvious, that's, yeah, that's what I was about to say. And obviously Bobby had his breaking point too. Yeah. Curious case of Dean Winchester. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Just recapping Sam and Dean's relationship being fractured and 
Dean says as much in the episode that he's lost faith in Sam. But not only that, whenever Cass zaps them from that hotel room in the beginning of the episode back to Bobby's house, Dean's pissed. If you remember, he's like, great. I mean, for eight months, we've been turning pages and screwing pooches. But tonight's going to be different. Yeah, we'll figure it out tonight. And you remember Bobby giving him a hard time like, man, what's it's gotten into you? And Dean's just like reality. And uh, Bobby's just trying to give him that that pep talk like, hey, you saying yes is not the answer. Too many people are going to die if Michael were able to stop Lucifer. that's For our team, that's still way too many humans dying. Bobby had uh, said, what happened to you, son? He said, you're not my father, and you ain't in my shoes. Do you remember that scene? I do. One of the few times where Dean does that shit to Bobby. <laughs> yes. Every time he does it, he, like, fucking cuts you. It does. And even Sam, you see it in that scene that right. he doesn't say anything, but he just shoots in that look like, dude, what the hell? But to me, that was one that that's really sticks out to me from season five. I mean, you and I, we really appreciate the relationship of Bobby to Sam and Dean. Right. And again, just speaking to the, the point where all their relationships are kind of fracturing, it shows how, how significant Dean is to holding everyone together. Yeah. And on that note about all the relationships it's funny that that could be going on for the plot of you know all the center or the main characters but then the writers take it one step further and they bring back somebody like adam and the boys don't really know how to feel that relationship with adam you know what i mean so it's just one more thing to throw in there to uh just kind of confuse everybody yeah most definitely but I wanted to to say with that that scene of Bobby in the five seasons of the Kripke run, I mean, this episode, again, you kind of forget some of the details until we decide to go back over just the random topic of the raising of Adam Milligan. But diving into this episode, after Dean says that to Bobby, you ain't my father and you ain't in my shoes, in reference to uh, Dean giving up, I mean, Bobby pulls out his gun sets it on the table, pulls the bullet out of his pocket, sets it on the table, and Dean's like, what's that? And Bobby, you know, goes on to tell him that that's the, that's the round that he's been meaning to put in his brain, that the only reason that he hasn't done that is because of the promise that he made to Dean. Dude, those two characters, they share so many powerful moments. I guess that's just Dean. He just does that with everybody sam it's a little different he doesn't have those big moments like that um not only with dean yeah that's what I, and that's where it's like is it is it really sam with dean? Uh, yeah <laughs> you know or is it just dean with sam but i mean just the the passion and raising his voice and and all that trying to change his mind and stuff the only time we actually really see sam do that is when he's interacting to dean right for sure. But, and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to go into all that detail and mention that because there's a lot at play in this episode, but for myself, they were all at that, that breaking point and it was kind of unraveling. And it was because Dean had, like you mentioned in a previous episode, every now and then you get one of those speeches from Dean, the I'm tired speech. Yeah. 
And whenever he said that, that he's just tired, it made me think of you saying that. And you see everybody else kind of falling apart as he gets he gets tired. He's over it. He's at the end of his rope. Yeah. But another big part of this episode is Cass. I mean, Cass is the one that that leaves and uh, goes and fights off the angels. And he's the one that actually pulls Adam up out of the ground and stuff. Right. Very similar to Lazarus rising. Yeah. And he just brings him back to Bobby's house. And, and that's when they realized that the angels had a plan B and they were executing it. And it clearly had something to do with Adam. Yeah. I think Cass says something like to Sam, like you had to have known. This is probably the direction the angels were going to go. For sure. Cass in this episode was just, he was just pissed at Dean. He thinks that, that Dean's given up. He doesn't have the faith that Sam has towards the end of the, the episode that Dean will resist saying yes. And it's just another one of those relationships that you can see is kind of fizzling out after Dean has decided to check out. Well, tell me if you, if you get this, uh, the character of Cass, he's always really hard to relate with because how can you angel from heaven? There's not going to be a whole lot of, Oh, I, I get that. But <laughs> right. yeah, I do. I can a hundred percent relate to Cass has given up literally everything, you know, turned his back on everything he's ever known. And, him knowing something, we're not talking about 30 years like Dean. You know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of years in heaven. And no one else is doing what he's doing except for Lucifer. And we all know how people feel about Lucifer. So, yeah. you know, for him to see Dean saying, fuck this, I quit. You know, I 100% get where uh, Cass is coming from. Yeah, well, if you remember in this episode, Cass lets him have it. He even says, I rebelled for this. I gave up everything for you. Oh, yeah, beats the shit out of him. That's what I was going to say. And then he just lets him have it, man. He beats the shit out of him. That's right. I think that's good for Dean for that to happen to him, you know, every once in a while throughout the show for uh, another character, just to kind of put him back in his place a little bit. Not not so much as in like a, uh, I'm more manly than you kind of way, but just to snap him back into reality. You know what I mean? Being raised by John Winchester completely. Uh, one of the things Dean Winchester seems to understand is a good ass kicking. Yeah, right. That seems like the way people can hold him accountable, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it does. Hey, man, just like the military, Marines specifically, you can pop off to your superior but you're going to take it out back and you're going to duke it out. And however that fight turns out is how the problem at hand is solved. That's how the military and Marines solve their shit. And one of the things that we love about the Winchesters is that's how they were raised. Well, it's funny you said that. Cause that's, that's how I meant to answer your question that started this whole thing off. Like what comes to mind with the raising of, Adam, what comes to mind for me would be collateral damage. That's a good way to put it. And it's funny because 
with all the other people that end up dying, uh, you know, collateral damage and stuff like, you know, there's always a lot of guilt and stuff like that. You know, you feel bad for the Ellen and the Joes and those kinds of people. I, I didn't ever feel that way with Adam, uh, truly. And it made me look up the definition of collateral damage just because I wanted to make sure that I was, uh, I was right <laughs> on this. And, uh, says collateral damage is any death injury or other damage inflicted that is an incidental result of an activity uh, similar to civilian casualties of a military operation well how about that how about that yeah good grab awesome thank you thank you yeah if you remember in this episode when dean and sam are having one having a heart to heart as dean expresses how over it he is he talks about I mean, think of all the people we've lost, Joe, Ellen, you know, names off a few people. And, and Sam's defense or response for the boys is, yeah, but I mean, we didn't pull the trigger. And Dean, that's not a good enough answer for him. Like you said, there's just too much collateral damage when the boys are, are involved. Right. And to your point, I never really had that feeling for Adam either. You know, Maybe it's just because I I can kind of understand Adam. I guess I can just understand all the Winchester brothers. Uh, you know, our, we've not really gotten into our life story too terribly much on the pod. Um, but, you know, Adam not meeting John until he's 12 years old. I mean, that's very similar to my story, your story. Not meeting our, uh, I guess, biological father until we were 12. So... It was kind of on the nose with the Adam character. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Adam says in the episode, I mean, when Bobby says, well, you are John Winchester's boy, aren't you? And Adam's response is, hey, to me, John Winchester is just a guy that took me to a baseball game every year. Right. He's got like a I don't give a shit attitude towards the boys. And I, I get that. I mean, finding out having sisters and stuff and it's like that's nice i guess you know yeah. doesn't really doesn't really do anything for me sorry i know that's not what you guys all want to hear but it's the truth yeah i mean especially for adam again the jump the shark episode adam has no recollection of that interaction with sam and dean so when he wakes up at bobby's after Cass had pulled him from the ground the only knowledge he has of Sam and Dean are from Zachariah and right. as you would imagine Zachariah has not painted the Winchesters in a very good light no no not at all so there's definitely no uh, familial relationship that's tugging at Adam <laughs> it pisses uh, all the guys off in Bobby's house but reality is why why is Adam going to have any sense of loyalty towards those guys? He doesn't Adam, even have Winchester as his last name, for Christ's sake. <laughs> exactly. And as uh, Adam catches on pretty quickly, they're laying the dewy-eyed bromance on pretty thick, but he knows he's under house arrest. Yeah. I always like whenever there's a character on the show who... Oh, who say can, it, say it, yeah. No, go ahead. No, please. I want to. Well, I was going to say it comes in and starts uh, starts talking like Dean. Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're going to say? 
Seriously, yeah. Because that's what I was thinking when you were saying in the beginning of this pod that, you know, we don't really know what is Adam's true nature. And to me, going over this topic again, it it really stood out to me that uh, it's interesting that in season five, we're going to introduce the Adam character and and now he's going to speak just like Dean Winchester does. Like, of course. Uh, he reminds me of like the characters you would see on Friends. <laughs> Stay with me here for a moment. <laughs> Anytime that the main cast members of Friends were inside the coffee house and somebody in the background would, you'd actually get to hear what they're saying. It, it would be something like super shitty talking down to them. You know what I mean? And it used to always bug the shit out of me that like that random character that only had one line didn't realize his place in the group. If that Absol- made, you know Oh I mean? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was throwing, he was throwing shade at Ross, Joey or Chandler, or he was, right. trying, to, or he was trying to pick up one of their chicks from the group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, but who the hell are you to talk to Chandler that way? You piece of shit. <laughs> absolutely. And then this episode, man, that's what Adam does the whole time to Sam. Sam takes a bunch of shit. Because Sam knows he's already, he's lost Dean for the moment. He's going to let Dean do his thing and he'll bring him back in the end. But there's no connection there for Adam to the boys. So Sam's role is to just eat a bunch of shit. <laughs> well, in the, you know, the jump the shark episode, there's that moment when they're in the kitchen and you know, Sam's having this real heart to heart with Adam, like showing him the ropes of the hunting life. And he, he tells him about a, uh, using a, like a homemade flamethrower on, I can't even remember whatever the monster is. And Adam's like, well, you can do that. And Sam's like, yeah, sure can. I'll show you sometime. Yeah. You know how to make one. It's like, oh God, Sam. <laughs> but yeah, that, that te- you know, that tactic is not going to work in point of no return. I mean, in the beginning, it's like that Sam's trying to convince Adam to not say yes to Michael. And it's like, come on, you just, just do it for me. You just got to trust me. And like, <laughs> come on, there's nothing there. You. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no loyalty there. Right. Once everybody catches on that Adam is plan B in the episode for the Angels, or at least they think Adam's plan B, it reinvigorates Dean to get the hell out of there. He puts the the warding up on the wall, as they say, blasts cast to Oz, and Dean gets out of there and fully intending to say yes, he's not letting he's not letting Adam or anyone else take his place. Yeah, do you remember what changes all that for him? What changes saying yes for Dean? Yeah. 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 Again, I remember this episode, and I remember Zachariah being a really big focal point. I remember how it all goes down at the end in the green room. But what had been lost on me was the up and down of Sam and Dean's relationship in this episode where they were at personally yeah, and for sure dude so it's sam that's what it's what brings it back around for dean i love that too absolutely it would have been real simple for the writers to make it somehow tied to adam you know and that everybody would have bought that but 
just me uh, and the way I think and loyalty and all that. I love that it, it was Sam. You know, Sam was the one that was going to change his mind. He gives him that little smirk, you know. Well, if you remember, so Zachariah comes to Adam in his dream. Right. So Adam ends up escaping or quote unquote getting away from Bobby. Zachariah ends up snatching him up, taking him to the green room. Cass and Bobby and Sam are they're leaving. They're going to find him. And uh, Bobby and Cass do not want Dean to have anything to do with it. They want to lock him up and, and just leave him there uh, at Bobby's house. They think he's too much of a, a liability. He's just going to say yes at the first chance to Michael, and he's going to blow the plan all to hell of just going in there and saving Adam. Right. It's Sam, you know, who says, screw you guys. And he goes in there and talks to Dean, unlocks the cuffs or whatever the situation is, and they think I'm an idiot for letting you go, but I know you're going to do the right thing. Oh, man, I forgot about that cool moment. Yeah, you're right. He does do that. Yeah. Fucking Sam, dude. Mm-hmm. Good brother, man. I man, I know. That's exactly what I thought going over this episode again. It's like, yeah, I really, really appreciated the early years of Sam Winchester. <laughs> yeah, man. It's hard not to really love that guy and appreciate him. You know, how he feels about his brother. Um, I don't know. I just I love that. For sure. I mean, in this episode, Sam really comes around and admits some of the things that had really bothered Dean earlier in their relationship. Dean's pissed that Sam ran every chance he got, whether it was Stanford or any other situation that had come up. Whenever Sam met some resistance, he just left. And Sam cops up to it and admits that he was wrong. And that he's all in. That's just something that stood out to me in the episode. <laughs> that he's all in on the plan. Yeah, just the brothers' journey altogether. Dean wants to leave and say yes, a similar thing that Sam had always done. And, you know, Sam admits to him that he was wrong doing that all those years. I mean, I'd say this was a really important moment for Sam in this season. Because it was a long, long way back. You know, he had fallen pretty far with how season four ends and Lucifer being popped from the cage. Uh, it took him most of the season. And I, I'd say that it was this episode that probably got him back on track, you know, in the good graces of the the whole unit, you know. Yeah, right. And that's why I've kind of stumbled around in this pod going back and forth to that. I just forgotten those things and recapping this, this snippet of the plot of season five, it's really obvious that I agree with you. I think this was kind of the start of Sam reestablishing his position in the group and especially yeah. reestablishing riding shotgun to Dean. It's funny that, you know, show being on, on TV for so long, you forget about those uh, smaller plot points. Yeah, for sure. At the end, like you said, what, what got Dean to to trick Zachariah and end up killing him and stuff, thinking that he was going to say yes to Michael. And as Sam says, you know what, what changed your mind? Because I saw it in your eyes 
you were you were really rocking that yes yeah. <laughs> yeah you know and dean's like it was you man i did in the middle of everything that was going on i didn't want to i didn't want to disappoint you sam that's so funny i okay i didn't watch this episode before we did this i did some reading and stuff like that but i didn't watch this episode i watched the jump the shark episode yeah which was a great idea right just a you know a little bit of uh backstory and but thinking about point of no return it, it just was like that's a dean episode and it's so funny like as you keep talking about it it's like now yeah that's the sam winchester episode for sure which is hilarious you know since it's dean you know yeah uh, saying yes to the angels and still yet it's about uh sammy boy so to your point of sam really reestablishing himself and his credibility frankly with the group it was because of sam that dean changed his mind at the last minute and he says I've always had a hard time being your older brother, Sam. You know, I see you as a snot-nosed little kid, snot-nosed little brother. And he says, I, I think that you and I both know that's not who you are anymore. And if you can have faith in me, someone as broken and as flawed as a, a Dean Winchester, if, if Sam can have faith in him, then it's about time that Dean has some faith in Sam. And yeah, that owes him that respect. Yeah. So to your point, that that really flips the switch of everything that they need, all the momentum that they need for season five. That's the linchpin of this season. I didn't remember that. No, I me either until you started breaking it down. Cause yeah, I mean, shortly after that, then it's Bobby saying, like, hey, we need to be looking at Sam here. I mean, he's yeah, he's not that little kid anymore, you know. And so you know, they tell Sam, like, it's not our decision, man. If you want to tell Lucifer, yes, we got your back. It's funny, though, we're breaking all this down. And, like, <laughs> I just think it goes to show that Adam just was just not uh, that significant. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we explain all of that. And then the end of the episode, uh, Zachariah's dead. Cass is gone because Cass took himself out getting rid of those five angels so that they could get into the green room. Right. So Cass is in the wind. They don't know what's happened to him. Zachariah's dead. Michael has come down and Adam gets trapped in the green room. And, you know, they don't exactly know what has happened to Adam either, but the Sam and Dean are kind of, you know, having their beer on the hood of the car kind of moment at the end. And it's like, you know what, man, I don't know how we're going to do it but I know we're going to do it. Dean's having a moment expressing how he's completely back in. And he knows that whatever it takes, the two boys are going to figure it out. And, and Sam's like, I wonder how Cass and Adam are. And, and Dean's like, you know, just how nonchalant and kind of how he just, how he kind of brushes it off. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure they're okay, but you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, very similar to the just the finale of the show whenever <laughs> Sam brings up Cass and Dean's like, eh, yeah, yeah. Do we, he almost sounds like, do we even know that guy? <laughs> like, yeah, right. 
And I don't know because I haven't seen that episode yet, Austin. But, no, I know. But I thought you would think it was kind of humorous just going over that last tidbit of the of the episode. <laughs> he kind of knew that Cass was fine and the Adam thing was, eh, whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I guess hey, we'll, we'll see him at the cemetery at the end of season five. <laughs> how far uh, into season 15 have you gotten? I don't know. The luck episode, I remember her, Lady Luck. She's a Greek god of luck, I thought is what she Oh, was. yeah, okay, that sounds familiar now, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's got the bar way up north yeah. where they play where they play pool. That's right, I forgot yeah. about that. Sam takes her down, well, kind of. I just think it's interesting that, you know, all the people that they decided to bring back with the – the COVID constraints and all that, that Adam's one of the characters, you know, they fly Jake Abel, you know, up there to quarantine for two weeks, you know, to be a part of the, the last couple episodes of the show. They do. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Oh. Hey, that's okay. an even better reason. I suggested the topic of the raising of Adam Milligan. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, he ends up playing a, an important role, you know, more so Michael, not Adam, but oh. still, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he makes an appearance, him and uh, Lucifer. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I just, I really do enjoy that snapshot of Supernatural, man. Just that timeline with Zachariah, right. the boys, uh, Cass, what Cass is to the group at that time, Bobby and what he means to the group. You know where, where all the episodes are at. They're usually either starting or ending somewhere near Bobby's. You know what I mean? That there's just so much good going on that time. It's yeah, fucking enjoyable. And just watching the boys because I watched the two seasons of it over the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just funny just watching it and like. You can see so many different times where it's like, yeah, that's a Kripke shot. Yeah, that filter, that's that's what I loved about Supernatural seasons one through five. That's all Kripke. Yeah, for sure. So I, I thought just randomly coming up with the Adam Milligan idea would, would lead to some good stuff. But as we both have expressed, ah, this is the end of the line of Dean saying yes or no to Michael. And it makes sense once we go through all these uh, different points. But in the beginning, I kind of forgot that that's, that's what was happening. As far as Adam being brought back, I kind of forgot that this is where Dean runs out his, his story on if he's going to say yes or no to Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, honestly, I had kind of forgotten the conclusion of that too. And so just recapping that and getting to see that, oh yeah. Cause it's very obvious like you said earlier, it's very obvious that Bobby and, and Dean both have the, the realization that, you know, Sam's not a kid anymore. We have to trust him. He's the only game in town. We got to let him say yes to Lucifer and, and Sam's going to handle this and getting to see that. Well, yeah, that's what Sam, Sam did that first with Dean. He gave right. Dean, he gave Dean the opportunity to either say yes or say no just pretty cool but just a couple things i wanted to run over with this episode just a little bit of the trivia or whatever real quick yeah let's hear it 
this is the first episode where we see Sam and Dean with Angel Blades. Is it really? Yeah. When Cass first first gets Adam, he kills the two angels first, and he takes their blades, and he gives those to Sam and Dean. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And in this episode, it ends with Dean killing Zachariah, of course, and that's the first time on the show that anything other than an angel has killed another angel. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of funny, too, that Zachariah, he gets killed, you know, technically twice by the Winchesters in both times. Uh, well, it's a very similar death. Uh, yeah. Only only Sam gets him the second time. Yeah, and that, the Lebanon episode from season yeah. 14 that you, you like to bring up from time to time. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't uh, one of your trivia things, was it? Yeah, it was actually the last one. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. All the more reason it was a trivia because you came up with it on your own, man. <laughs> that's why. I'm really looking forward to what you've got for the second half of this uh, pod later on this week. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be pretty good. I'm not sure how it's all going to tie together, but I'm looking forward to it too. I'm glad we were able to get together tonight and talk a little bit about Adam and some of the early plot lines that you and I really appreciate from the Kripke arc. Yeah, it's funny. I know it's been kind of a tough tough week for you and the rest of the week is going to be tough and my week has got its own challenges as well but it it was fun just to pump the brakes for a minute dive back into this show that's meant so much to us for so long you know just take an hour to just talk about uh, a small plot line of season five you know uh, just one season out of the 15 year run it, it was fun I, I needed it yeah same here man for sure so guys just hang on through this commercial break and we'll be back on the other side for the second half of the pod. Thanks a lot. This episode of the ghost of God podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor singer auto salvage. Got an old junker, but want more than just scrap money for it. Well, don't be an idiot. Take it on down to singer salvage where you're guaranteed top dollar, no matter year, make or model. But what if you're just needing a new used part for your ride? Well, no worries. Singer has you covered there too. Just bring your tools and wear clothing you don't mind getting dirty. Please, no open-toed shoes. This is a salvage yard. Wheelbarrows and engine hoists are free of charge to help you pull larger used parts. Also free to you is their easy-to-use website, singer.salvage.com. Go ahead and request a quote or search parts ahead of time. And for all Ghost to God listeners, make sure to use the exclusive 20% off promo code BALLS at checkout. That's B-A-L-L-Z. Singers Auto Salvage, where family don't end with blood. All right, what's up, man? How's it going? It's going good, buddy. How about you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Looking forward to kicking off the second half of this pod. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I'm excited to jump into this, too, because uh, I know we could cast in one sit down, but I'm glad that we've broken it up into two parts twice a week, you know, because every time I go to put these headphones on, it's like, God, I, I love doing this. I know. Uh, and then seeing you have a, have a drink there. Damn. Yeah, dude, look, what's not to love. It's one of those never not in the world. It's one of those no spill cups. So whenever you lay it down, it, it's got a triangle on the bottom, so whenever you lay it down, it'll just 
roll a circle and it won't spill your drink. Uh, it's like a cup like Elon Musk came up with or something. Yeah, One pretty rival Tesla cars that won't flip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I say we just go ahead and get into this. I came up with this idea earlier in the week. I wasn't sure what what product we were going to use. And then I did a little digging and I found one and I went through it myself beforehand. And I say we just go ahead and get into this because I'm not exactly sure how long it'll take. Okay. You seem excited. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm very interested. I've, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's coming here. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm just saying, I don't know about you, Austin, but being in our 30s, I think that one of the best gifts that somebody could have is really knowing themselves. Would you agree with that? Yes. I feel like I've become a lot more self-aware recently. So, yeah. I'm yeah. So I saw like a, a story the other day of a, it was an athlete, but he was 18, 19 in college. And one reason or another, he decided to retire early and, uh, in my younger days, I would have thought that, you know, I would have had a lot of different feelings about it. And none of them would have been all that positive for the for the kid who decided to retire so early. And it would have been because of some uh, some issues I had with myself, some sort of insecurity or, or something. I would have seen the negative of that situation. Now that I'm in my 30s, I hear a story like that and I applaud someone at that age being able to give up the one thing that they were truly successful at because of the confidence that they have in themselves or their self-worth and that that sports not it doesn't represent everything about them yeah i don't mean to derail you at all but just a second that basketball player back when we were in like high school and he was going to oklahoma yeah and had a you know, and I think it was probably that I still thought about that guy. Like, wow, that's crazy. Why would you ever do that? But now, you know, 15 years later, I'm like, good for you. Like, I, I can see why somebody would now, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So the internet connection was a little sloppy there, but just to reiterate some of what you said, that kid played basketball at Oklahoma when we were much younger and he decided that he wanted to be a doctor so he was going to medical school and he could have been an early first round pick or at least drafted in the first round of the nba draft and he kind of passed on that to be a doctor i agree so i say all that to say it none of this has anything to do with sports this topic tonight it's just an example of something that seemed quite obvious to me of someone else who knew themselves well enough that they were able to make a good decision for their future. And I don't know that in my earlier years, I would have been able to do that. So self-awareness, like you said, is an important trait for myself. So on that note, right. so on that note, I thought in the spirit of, Austin getting to know himself a little bit better. I thought that we could do a little personality test here. <laughs> Man. Okay. This is a safe place. Okay. If the answer is that you strongly agree, then that's the answer. If you strongly disagree, then that's the answer. No judgment. 
Okay. All right. This test is from 16 personalities. So at the end of this test, it will give you what personality you have. And it'll also give you the top traits, the top weaknesses and the top strengths of your particular personality, blah, blah, blah. It's more than just you're this personality type. It'll also give you some insight to that. So let's go ahead and just get into answering some of the questions. So Austin, the way the format works is I, w- I was going to send it to you, but I thought it'd be easier if I was the one a- asking you the questions and then just putting in your answers for you. So it's you strongly agree. And then there's two more levels of agree under that and then neutral and then two levels of disagree and then strongly disagree. OK, so there's technically. Seven, okay. there's te- technically seven bubbles with neutral in the middle. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So question number one, Austin, for your personality test, to give you a little insight about yourself. You regularly make friends. So either you strongly agree all the way down to you strongly disagree. Do you regularly make new friends? Strongly disagree. All right. Number two. You spend a lot of free time exploring various random topics that pique your interest. Agree. Seeing other people cry can easily make you feel like you want to cry also. Neutral. You often make a backup plan for a backup plan. Um, I would say agree above neutral. Okay. And uh, from what I understand, as many answers as you can give that are not neutral, then the better, as you would imagine. Okay. All right. You usually stay calm, even under a lot of pressure. Strongly agree. At social events, you rarely try to introduce yourself to new people and mostly talk to the ones you already know. Strongly agree. All right. So we're 10% through the questions. Austin, you prefer to completely finish one project before starting another. Hmm. If I know you, I would imagine that that's not of all the most importance to you. No, it's not. Um, Let's get a notch under neutral towards disagree. Alrighty. You are very sentimental. Yeah. Yeah, strongly agree. I know that about you. Austin, you like to use organizing tools like schedules and lists. Uh, Yeah, notch under strongly. Okay. So, again, it's funny, Austin. There are a bunch of these that I, I know about you, but I'm interested to see what your true authentic answer is. But yeah, even a small mistake can cause you to doubt your overall abilities and knowledge. Strongly agree. Okay. You feel comfortable just walking up to someone you find interesting and striking up a conversation. Strongly disagree. You are not too interested in discussing various interpretations and analysis of creative works. Yeah. I'm not too interested. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) That kind of surprises me. Well, it depends. Uh, With you? Yeah, I would have that conversation with anybody else. No, 
Well, I would say that it's the topic, not who it's with. Oh, I got you. Okay. As, as far then, as like yeah. the depth of. Like, I'm not going to get into the, this uh, old conversation with a random stranger over a, a Da Vinci painting that I'm seeing in an art museum. If it was you, that's all I, I was just trying to uh, explain my answer a little. Yeah, no, can I, I think that the the position of the question was coming from a place on if you're the personality type to even care about a topic like that, would you, would you and I spend an evening yeah. breaking down the movie tenant? Yeah. <laughs> right. Most certainly would. Or if it was like a movie, a, a, a tenant movie for you and I hadn't even seen it, I'd be very much a deep conversation with you about it because you yeah. find it interesting. Right. And I think that's what the question was asking. Okay. Um, I'm back where we need to be. The, the next question, Austin, you're more inclined to follow your head than your heart. Hmm. I think this is where you and I slightly differ a bit. You're, you're a 10 on the logical scale. I'm more like a seven. So I would say one notch under strongly. Agree. Okay. Yeah. And I, depending on what your personality type ends up being at the end of this, we can kind of discuss and compare what mine was when I, when I did this earlier. Um, yeah. How about you rarely worry about whether you make a good impression on people you meet? Uh, strongly disagree. Whoa, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that? Yeah. All right, Austin, you enjoy participating in group activities. Strongly disagree. All right. You like books and movies that make you come up with your own interpretation of the ending. Agree. Your happiness comes more from helping others accomplish things than your own accomplishments. Neutral. Uh, see, that's a good, honest answer. Yeah, I'm trying to be as honest, you know, not what I think you think I'm going to say I would want to really say, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah, right. I appreciate that. You are interested in so many things that you find it difficult to choose what to try next. Uh, no. You're prone to worrying that things will take a turn for the worse. Strongly agree. Or as Supernatural would say, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's right. You avoid leadership roles in group settings. Actually, that's, yeah, that's not me. Um, let's see. Not strongly disagree, but disagree. Okay. Austin, you are definitely not an artistic type of person. I disagree. You think the world would be a better place if people relied more on rationality and less on their feelings. Yeah, I strongly agree. Oh, you do? Yeah. You prefer to do your chores before allowing yourself to relax. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's that comes with maturity, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you enjoy watching people argue. No, uh strongly disagree. Makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. 
we're not much for reality TV. No, nope. don't find myself ever watching the screen. Yeah, absolutely. I struggle watching American Idol watching the screen. Yeah. Okay, you tend I don't to know what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. You tend to avoid drawing attention to yourself. Strongly agree. We're about halfway through. Your mood can change very quickly. Strongly agree. You lose patience with people who are not as efficient as you. Strongly agree. <laughs> That's a big one for me. <laughs> yeah. You often end up doing things at the last possible moment. Uh, one notch above neutral towards agree. You have always been fascinated by the question of what, if anything, happens after death. Uh, I would say one notch above neutral towards agree. All right. Sorry. I guess now we're at 50%. Halfway. Again, we're just doing a little personality test for Austin to better know himself. So, Austin, you usually prefer to be around others rather than on your own. Strongly disagree. You become bored or lose interest when the discussion gets highly theoretical. Uh, no, disagree. You find it easy to empathize with a person whose experiences are very different from yours. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I very much agree. You usually postpone finalizing decisions for as long as possible. Now, I can be irrational at times, so uh, I would say disagree. Well, that's more, it's less irrational as opposed to impulsive, right? Yeah, that's actually the word I was real. Austin, you rarely second-guess the choices that you have made. Strongly disagree. <laughs> Oh, wait, oh, should I have answered it that way? <laughs> <laughs> right. You might be second-guessing letting me have control of this pod. <laughs> All right, after a long and exhausting week, a lively social event is just what you need. Strongly disagree. Okay, you enjoy going to art museums. I would say strongly agree, but I don't go to art museums. So <laughs> in my mind, I feel like, yeah, yeah, I would. I, but I don't, don't go. So. Don't make it a point to go. Yeah. What? One notch over neutral? Yeah, that's fair. Fair compromise. Okay. You often have a hard time understanding other people's feelings. No. Uh, disagree i'm actually i'm good at that i would imagine that you'll have a little more insight on that part of your personality at the conclusion of this test austin you like to have a to-do list for each day yeah um, one notch above neutral yeah i can be very detail or task oriented so yeah how about you rarely feel insecure. Strongly disagree. How about you avoid making phone calls? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an agree. I've gotten better with it because of my job and stuff. You know, I've adulted in that particular activity. But yeah, I still hate it. So yeah, I would say strongly agree. Yeah, see, for myself, whenever I took this test earlier, that was a pretty easy one for me to answer. I'm not a fan of making phone calls, and I thought to myself, you know, I could see that that's a, uh, an area where Austin has grown versus where I'm at. And I, I assume that your job has kind of forced you out of that comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on. We are about three quarters of the way through here. We'll speed through this so that we can get to the conclusion of your results. But in your social circle, you are often the one who contacts your friends and initiates activities. Disagree. Strongly disagree. If your plans are interrupted, your top priority is to get back on track as soon as possible. Yeah, strongly agree. You are still bothered by mistakes that you made a long time ago. Strongly agree. You rarely contemplate the reasons for human existence or the meaning of life. I would say disagree, but not under neutral. Okay. Your emotions control you more than you control them. Man. I would say agree. Um, not strongly, but yeah, I agree. I've gotten a lot better at managing that, but yeah, you take great care not to make people look bad, even when it is completely their fault. Yeah. Strongly agree. Yeah. You are most definitely a nice guy. Your personal work style is closer to spontaneous bursts of energy than organized and consistent efforts. Uh, no. I'd say disagree. One notch under. All right. When someone thinks highly of you, you wonder how long will it take them to feel disappointed? Yeah, strongly agree. Yeah. Okay. You would love a job that were cry that would God, son of a, uh, okay. <laughs> if anything, for me, guys, this is just a test of a pod for Justin to speak clearly and really enunciate. So you would love a job that requires you to work alone most of the time. I would love a job like that. Yeah, strongly agree. How about... You believe that pondering abstract philosophical questions is a waste of time. Strongly disagree. You feel more drawn to places with busy, bustling atmosphere than quiet, intimate places. Strongly disagree. All right. You know at first glance how someone is feeling. Yeah. Strongly agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. You're probably you're pretty good at that. All right. These are the last few questions. You often feel overwhelmed. Yeah, strongly agree. You complete things methodically without skipping over any steps. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Okay. You are very intrigued by things labeled as controversial. <laughs> no, I'm not. You would pass along a good opportunity if you thought someone else needed it more. That's uh, a negative. No. Good for you. All right. You struggle with deadlines. No. Nope. Not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to get chewed out. So, nope. Disagree. All right, buddy. Last one here. You feel confident that things will work out for you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to end the last one with a neutral answer. So, <laughs> uh, oh man. And then I don't want to be negative and say <laughs> disagree. Uh, one notch above neutral towards agree. <laughs> Uh, that was quite the political approach. Yeah, all, right. all right, buddy. Just a little, wow, here we go. After finishing Austin's personality quiz on 16 personalities, your personality type, Austin, is advocate. So let's break down a little bit of what that means for you. Under your mind, this trait determines how we interact with our environment. Austin, you are 82% introverted versus 18% extroverted. Does that surprise you? Huh. I would have thought it was even higher introvert, but I would <laughs> imagine that the one answer that I gave saying that I'm not afraid to take a leadership position in a group it, that's why it's even at 18. Yeah. See, and I would say that the fact that you remember specifically one question right off the bat that you can point to on the very first <laughs> breakdown of your personality trait yeah. might, play, might play a little bit into some of these other things we're going to learn about you. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> All right. Under energy, Austin, this trait shows where we direct our mental energy you are which this surprises me a little bit having it broke down like this but for you you're 55 percent intuitive and inversely you're 45 percent observant huh yeah see the intuitive side doesn't surprise me but i guess i consider you quite observant because so i guess 55 45 yeah, probably me too not a real big breakdown but all right. Then under the advocate personality type, the next topic is nature. This trait determines how we make decisions and cope with emotions. You are 40% thinking while being 60% feeling. Man, I'm so, okay. Then the next trait, tactics. Austin, you are, <laughs> you are, <laughs> I don't know why it's just funny seeing it broke down like this, but under tactics, this trait reflects our approach to work, planning, and decision-making. You are 74% judging while being 26% prospecting. <laughs> huh. So then lastly, a trait of identity. This trait underpins 
all others, showing how confident we are in our abilities and our decisions. This, <laughs> uh, we are so much alike. But Austin, you are seventeen per, <laughs> you are seventeen percent assertive, while being eighty three percent turbulent. Really? Yeah. All right, here we go. Look. So that's a little bit of the breakdown of the percentages of where Austin stands after, I believe, 120 questions or so on this personality quiz. So let's get into a little bit about your personality type, Austin. Again, you're an advocate personality. And a, a quote here by ah, somebody, I can't pronounce his name, but the quote is, treat people as if they were what they ought to be and you help them to become what they are capable of being. So here you go. Austin, advocates are the rarest personality types of all. Still, advocates leave their mark on the world. They have a deep sense of idealism and integrity, but they aren't ideal dreamers. They take concrete steps to realize their goals and make a lasting impact. Hmm. Advocates Unique combination of personality traits makes them complex and quite versatile. For example, advocates can speak with great passion and conviction, especially when standing up for their ideals. At other times, however, they may choose to be soft-spoken and understated, preferring to keep the peace rather than challenge others. Wow, do I get a, do I get a cigarette after being undressed like that? fuck yeah that's like a, that's that's right <laughs> does that hit home for you yeah yeah that, i mean that's a perfect breakdown of me for sure standing up for what's right yeah so i'm not going to break down all of this because i want to get i kind of want to get over a number of things here for you but as far as connecting with others advocates may be reserved but they communicate in a way that is warm and sensitive it sounds a lot like you yeah. This emotional honesty and insight can make a powerful impression on the people around them. Yeah. It's like tactical. Absolutely. Yeah. The cost of success. At times, advocates may focus so intensely on their ideals that they don't take care of themselves. They may feel that they aren't allowed to rest until they've achieved their unique vision of success, but this mindset can lead to stress and burnout. If this happens, people with this personality type may find themselves feeling uncharacteristically ill-tempered. So under a personal mission, many advocates feel compelled to find a mission for their lives. When they encounter inequity or unfairness, they tend to think, how can I fix this? They are well-suited to support a movement to right or wrong, no matter how big or small but they need to remember while taking care of others, they must take care of themselves. All right, so let's move on to some of your strengths and weaknesses as this personality type of an advocate. How's any of this landing with you, Austin? Some of it's right on the nose, yeah. And then some of it is, uh, it's like right to a point, you know, it'd be like sure underneath the surface maybe, like being tempered like uh not outwardly yeah i would agree all right some of your strengths and weaknesses as an advocate creative 
Advocate personalities enjoy finding the perfect solution for the people they care about. To do this, they draw on their vivid imagination and their strong sense of compassion. This can make them excellent counselors and advisors. What do you think? Because would well, I not be one of your advisors? Well, as a client of yours <laughs> yeah. for the last, uh, let's say, 28 years of consciousness, yeah. you've, you've given me a hell of a rate. <laughs> Free. All right. Another strength, insightful. Advocates typically strive to move past appearances and get to the heart of things. This can give them an almost uncanny ability to understand people's true motivations, feelings, and needs. Yeah. Principled. Another strength. People with the advocate personality type tend to have deeply held beliefs, and their conviction often shines through when they speak or write about subjects that matter to them. Advocates can be compelling and inspiring communicators with their idealism persuading even the hardest of skeptics, especially when you have a pen, buddy. I know, man. I th that's, a, that's a great compliment. I've always said that about you. You're a very, very passionate writer. Yeah. The next strength here is passionate. Advocates can pursue their ideals with a single-mindedness that may catch others off guard. These personalities rarely settle for good enough, and their willingness to disrupt the status quo may not please everyone. That said, advocates' passion for their chosen cause is a key aspect of their personality. And then lastly, altruistic. Advocates generally aim to use their strengths for the greater good. Right. I would say for the things I've heard about this personality trait with you, from where I stand, though you care deeply about others, you know, it kind of gets painted like maybe you don't give a shit about your own outcome and it's all, all for others. I, <laughs> Which is funny because there's two questions right off the top of my head that yeah. I know I answered, like, you know not saving face you know i, I was giving a 100 honest answer that night. yeah i mean i'm not selfish but i'm still in this whole thing for myself <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm just not gonna step on a baby to do it <laughs> <laughs> okay here we go guys let's move on to some weaknesses for the advocate personality types <laughs> hold on let me get my mom <laughs> Ah, forget it. Just call on your wife. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. This is funny. <laughs> Number one on weaknesses. Sensitive to criticism. Oh, horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That would be my first one. I don't know what else is coming after that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it says, as you would imagine... Uh, when someone challenges their principles or values, advocates may react strongly. People with this personality type can become defensive in the face of criticism and conflict, particularly when it comes to issues that are near to their hearts. Yeah. Or if it's just that I'm interpreting that, you know. <laughs> yeah, but generally in that situation, it's based off a principle, which is close to your heart. Right. Another weakness Reluctant to open up. Advocates value honesty, but they're also private. Yeah, for sure. 
they may find it difficult to open up and be vulnerable about their struggles. They don't ask for help. They may inadvertently, inadvertently hold themselves back or create distance in their relationships. Yeah, for sure. Another weakness, perfectionist. Yeah. This personality type is all but defined by idealism. While this is a wonderful quality in many ways, an ideal situation is not always possible. They might, may find it difficult to appreciate their jobs, living situations, or relationships if they continually fixate on imperfections uh, and wondering whether they should be looking for something better. Okay, yeah. so then the next one is avoiding the ordinary. So uh, they tend to be motivated by a sense of having a greater purpose in life. They might consider it tedious or unnecessary to break their big visions into small, manageable steps. But, and then the last one that they have here, I'm curious to see what your take is. Prone to burnout. Yeah, I, you said that term earlier, and it's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Advocates, perfectionism, and reserve may leave them with few options for letting off steam. People with this People with this personality type can exhaust themselves if they don't find a way to balance their drive to help others with necessary self-care and rest. Yeah, that's that's uh, really accurate. Yeah, kind of interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, what I'm curious is, well, you know, what you scored on yours. <laughs> Quite the advocate, putting someone else in front of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's see. There's just a few things that I'm skimming through here. I'm going to skip over the uh, romantic relationships and the friendships. And there's a parenthood section here. Um, as parents, advocates tend to look at their relationships with their children as opportunities to learn and grow with someone they care about. Yeah. These personality types also work to achieve another important goal raising their children to be independent and all around good people. They generally strive to be devoted and loving towards their children at all times. As they imagine their children's future, what advocates really look forward to is being able to interact and connect as equals with the people they helped raise. That's sweet. Yeah. We'll skip over career paths here. Uh, 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 workplace habits. So we'll, we'll move on here to the conclusion of Austin's personality test where it was revealed he is an advocate personality. In conclusion, here's another quote from Kate Blanchett. In the end, it's your actions, how you respond to circumstance that reveals your character. Few personality types are as passionate as advocates. As someone with this personality type, you stand out for your imagination your compassion, your integrity, and your deeply held principles. Unlike many other idealistic types, however, you're also capable of turning your ideals into plans and executing them. Though advocates face challenges too, even the most idealistic and dedicated of personality types can become frustrated when it comes to navigating interpersonal conflicts, confronting unpleasant facts, pursuing self-realization, or finding a fulfilling career path. As a result, you may sometimes find yourself questioning who you really are. 
and who you're really meant to be. Huh. All that stuff is really interesting, except for the, you know, screw Kate Blanchett. But. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of funny, though. I mean, as a result, you may sometimes find yourself questioning who you really are and who you're really meant to be. I think that that's perfect for the reason why I suggested the idea of you even taking this personality test in the first place. Why is that? Just, I truly think one of the greatest gifts that people can have is self-awareness, understanding who they are. Yeah. Getting out of their way, not changing who they are, but just knowing who they are so they can save themselves some, some pointless missteps. Yeah. I'm going to be who I'm going to be and I'm going to be that to the best of my ability, you know? Haven't I? I've, I feel like I've said that to you a few times uh, over the last few months that like I, I feel better as a person because like I'm pretty aware of who I am and like, I, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. Honestly, I really have become okay with who I am. Right. Right. Wrong and different. It, yeah. You know. Whether it makes me look cool or whatever. Like I, but truthfully, a lot of days I feel pretty good with who I am. That's awesome. So this wasn't, this wasn't a fishing expedition or, you know, calling you to the carpet in any kind of way. I was just interested. I thought it was, it would be something fun for us to do together here. Um, let's see if I can pull up mine real quick. I'm just going to pull up uh, the, my personality type. I took the test uh, earlier today. My personality type was an architect. So just a quick overview here. An architect is a person with the introverted, intuitive thinking and judging personality traits. These thoughtful tacticians love perfecting the details of life, applying creativity and rationality to everything they do. Their inner world is often a private complex one. You must have answered your stuff really honestly too. You think so? Yeah, that, that's that's you for sure. And I don't even know what all the other personality uh, types are. Right. So I'll just go over some of the details it has here because it's definitely not all wonderfully positive. Um, it can be lonely at the top. As one of the rarest personality types and one of the most capable, architects know this all too well. Rational and quick-witted, Architects may struggle to find people who can keep up with their nonstop analysis of everything around them. Um, they have a thirst for knowledge. I don't need to go into what that is. Uh, finding a better way. Architects question everything. Many personality types trust the status quo, relying on conventional wisdom and other people's expertise as they go about their lives. But ever skeptical architects prefer to make their own discoveries. In their quest to find better ways of doing things, they aren't afraid to break the rules or risk disapproval. In fact, they rather enjoy it. See, I'm kind of surprised I didn't have something like that on my side too. Well, and that's, yeah, I would agree with you, but there was a little bit of the many personality types trust the status quo, relying on con conventional wisdom and other people's expertise as they go about their lives. I, th I think yours had some of that in it as well. 
so that this some some of these things as you can imagine i guess uh, similar to maybe for you hearing it but reading it, it it stands out like yeah i completely agree but um, a new idea isn't worth anything unless it actually works. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Architects don't mind acting alone, perhaps because they don't like waiting around for others to catch up with them. They also generally feel comfortable making decisions without asking for anyone else's input. At times, this lone wolf behavior can come across as insensitive as it fails to take into consideration other people's thoughts to, thoughts, desires, and plans. Under social frustrations, we aren't known for being warm and fuzzy. They tend to pr prioritize rationality and success over politeness and pleasantries. In other words, they'd rather be right than popular. And this may explain why so many fictional villains are modeled on this personality type. Well, that's fun. <laughs> 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 I hadn't read that part. <laughs> Anyways, so that's just a little bit under the skills or the strengths and weaknesses for an architect. Some of the strengths here, rational architects pride themselves on their mind, uh, informed few personality types are as devoted as architects to forming rational evidence-based opinions rather than hunches or half-baked assumptions. They base their conclusions on research and analysis this gives them the self-assurance they need to stand up for their ideas, even in the face of disagreement. Independent is a uh, strength. Determined is a strength. Versatile is a strength. So under, this is fun, under some of the weaknesses here for my personality type, Austin, the first one, surprise, surprise, would be arrogant. Architects might be knowledgeable, but they're not infallible. Their self-assurance can blind them to useful input from others, especially anyone they deem to be intellectually inferior. These personalities can also become needlessly harsh or single-minded in trying to prove others wrong. The second one is dismissive of emotions. Rationality is king. But emotional context often matters more than people with this personality type care to admit. Architects can get impatient with anyone who seems to value feelings more than facts. Unfortunately, ignoring emotion is its own type of bias. And then the next one would be overly critical. These personalities tend to have a great deal of self-control, particularly when it comes to thoughts and feelings. When the people in their lives fail to match their level of restraint, architects can become scathingly critical. But this criticism is often unfair, based on arbitrary standards rather than a full understanding of human nature. And that's just so true for myself. The um, arbitrary standards, that's something that is constantly between my ears. But anyways, that's some of the strengths and weaknesses of my personality type and a little insight into what I found out about myself earlier today. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Seems like you answered pretty honestly. Yeah. Or, yeah. 
or the test is just you know accurate as fuck whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like so know. how so how do you feel about yours austin how it, it came up with a an advocate personality type for you any any uh final thoughts on that hmm like I said, without having any idea what the other other personalities could be, I'd say it's probably pretty close. Uh, you know, like you were saying, I, I would agree that, you know, this whole sense of like, uh, it's all about everyone and the greater good of everyone. I think that was a little overstated for me and my personality type. But, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I 100% agree with. Okay, so here's the just a little breakdown of some of the personality types of the 16 personalities on this particular testing site I was using for myself being an architect that falls under the analyst um, personality types. And there's four of those architect, logician, uh, commander and debater. And then the next, um, category is diplomats and that's where yours advocate falls underneath which doesn't surprise me that you would be under a diplomatic personality type i agree yeah. with you as far as you know being a social justice warrior or something but there's advocate mediator protagonist and campaigner under the diplomats and then there's sentinels there's a there's four of those and then explorers, and there's four of those. I'd be interested to see, um, like, advocate and architect, are they compatible? Because we would have to prove that right. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Under friendships, let's see if that's where I can find that. A friend to all is a friend to none. <laughs> That's a quote from Aristotle. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I would as well. Yeah, it doesn't break it down like that. I'm not sure. But that's inter awesome. Interesting nonetheless, right? Yeah, that was a very, very cool topic. Yeah. So definitely something to think about. <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be something fun. And whenever we get this chopped up and put out for our for our 12th episode now for ghost to god Woo! number 12 will be a little you know kicking the nuts for the two of us <laughs> i was gonna say i am not sure if i feel good about myself right now or not you know or <laughs> I, I honestly i feel like some of the the cons for you was a bit harsh you know um, but hey what do you mean i you know, while some of the what weaknesses for the architect like may be accurate with you, I, it, it seemed a bit harsh. Um, you know what I mean? Like just reading it, it sounds harsh. Because, but then again, I've had thirty-three years. Uh, the closest person to me is an architect, so I know. I, it's so funny. I was actually just talking about you earlier this evening, and uh, this should be good. No, I, saying that there, you know, there, I could see where there'd be like some perception that Justin's decision making may seem 
very different to a lot of people and that he comes from a place of like, you know, you just don't get it to explain like the way that you act or whatever. Um, but how would I explain this? Uh, I'm listening. <laughs> no, <laughs> just knowing your mind and how you work through everything. It's all very calculated you've you know you've figured it all out so that's why you you so matter of factly about everything yeah you know what i mean and that's not a it may seem harsh or cold at times you know but it just knowing you it's not it's like uh like on all the tv shows or movies and stuff like how the super smart person like comes off um you know a certain way in social interactions and stuff like that yeah, less of a personality, more, more rational and deductive reasoning. Yeah, I don't have time for feelings or whatever. Yeah, right. And that you comes kinda... off a certain way, but like the people who are closest to that person know, like you know what I mean. Yeah, that you... you're very caring in a certain your own unique way. Yeah, right. Like I kind of remove color from certain scenarios or whatever, and I definitely don't like the feeling that. Uh, that that my personality and, and my personality type probably lends itself to the people around me giving me a pass for certain behaviors. I'm not super crazy about that prospect, but if I were being honest, I've, I've been aware with certain relationships that I've had in my life that that's probably true. Hey man, we've talked. Which you time. being an advocate, again, that's not a huge surprise to me. Yeah. I think that you have a ton of the personality traits that I have for sure, clearly, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the compassion and some of the feelings, the way that you handle those, you, you priced them more at a premium than I have. And maybe that's because of the way I've been with you, you know, us playing off of each other. Maybe I've picked up more on one side right. and you've, you've compensated on your end and then I've compensated for you and, give and take of the two of us growing up and, uh, you know, racing each other. Yeah. Man, that's, that was very interesting, dude. That was like a great topic. Seriously. Cool, man. I hope I was hoping that you would think it was interesting. I didn't mean to very surprised. Uh, like you said, I didn't mean to like undress you publicly or like you've said before, show too much under the hood, but yeah, I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. And hey, we've got like 150 people who've listened to our podcast and we've got a couple hundred followers on Twitter now. Hopefully that's a little insight for some people listening in. Yeah. Like you said, that's really good for just the two of us, you know, like we don't have to be overly critical of ourselves and decisions that we make tomorrow because we know who we are. So Absolutely. Yeah. And my, I, hopefully it's a little insight for the two of us and even for other people out there who might be listening. If you have a quote unquote weakness to your personality, that doesn't have to be a point of pride. It can still be something that you work towards at least curbing at very least, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's unrealistic not, to think that you're going to get rid of it entirely. Yeah, absolutely. Or or that your weaknesses are uh, more important than, than what your strengths are. Yeah. Good call. But I had fun, man. I'm looking forward to 
putting this together with the Adam Milligan podcast that we did earlier this week and getting it put up there for number 12. Awesome, man. Get it cut together. I need something good to listen to while I drive on Monday. Uh, Yeah, me too, buddy. Remember, in the beginning, God created sound. And then the end, he created this podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. Remember, guys, our Twitter handle is at ghost2pod, P-O-D. If you find something on there that you like, be sure to give us a like. Yeah, we always appreciate the likes and the comments. We try to check it daily and looking forward to the interactions we're going to have. The newest episode is always pinned to the top of the page, guys.